0: Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime New New England. England. Welcome back to another episode of Fucked Up Shit That Happens in New England. Hello, welcome back. What is up, everyone? We just want to take a second to firstly apologize for last week's episode and yeah, the week, the week prior. before. <laughs> can you tell we recorded two in one day? Um, because in the background, mm-hmm. mainly the first one, you can hear the absolutely beautiful lullaby of the fucking cicadas. <laughs> outside my window.
1: <laughs> Summertime in New England. Oh, my God. End of summer in New England. That's what you get.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, they were so bad, and, like, every 30 seconds, it was like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was like escalate. Oh, it was, it was awful. And then the second episode, because it was 98 degrees outside, yeah. and that's why they were fucking cicadas, we had the fan going, and that fan would make little, like, little noises. Yeah, and it would go on its rotation,
1: <laughs> and you can hear the rotation in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, yeah, episodes 11 and 12, you will hear some fun background noises, but, you know, it's end of summertime in New England, so, you know, it bear doesn't, with us.
0: It doesn't take away the quality, well, it does. It doesn't take away <laughs> the quality of the content. Agreed. Because our stories were... The essence of our storytelling. It was there, it was ever-present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This time, we've opted for no fan, which I'm personally sweating already. That could be the alcohol. Um, I'm having a light, a white claw. Not like I'm drinking vodka straight, but... Um, and I've had, like, four sips, so you know I'm in deep. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to take the edge off of the cases we're covering today. Yeah. Um, there's no cicadas this time because mm-hmm. now it's... Well, I mean, it's 7 o'clock at night, but it's not as hot, so... yes. Apologies. Yeah,
1: but we might have some different background noise in the background of this episode
0: because, Liz, I have my two kitties with me. Yes. They finally arrived. Last time we recorded, we were anxiously awaiting Mm -hmm. their arrival. Now they're here. They're just such good kitties. They're so cute.
1: We'll post pictures of them on the Instagram, too. Yeah. Um, and I'll put a picture of their auntie, my cat, Salem. Yes! My fluffy. That's a great idea. Yes. Salem and I brought the kitties treats. Yeah, you
0: did. As a little welcome gift. Thank so you. very cute. It was very sweet. Yes. We have some very exciting news. And it's yes. not just that I got two amazing kitties who probably will be loud and crazy in the background, yes. like you said. But we have other exciting news that kind of um, benefits everyone yeah so we've been working on it for a while now
1: um we are so happy to announce that by the time this episode comes out you will be able to log on to our website truecrimene.com that's right we have our own domain baby so cool we've been working on it for a while Mm -hmm. um kind of a pain in the ass to make a lot of work but i'm very happy with how it looks
0: katie did the brunt of the work she did like the template, she did the structure of it, the fucking color scheme. Amazing. Thank you. I love it. It looks so good. She did a great job.
1: So not to toot my own horn, but some (laughs) of the background photos or most of the background photos that we use are pictures I took on film. Yeah. So I very much like them and they, they're very spooky New Mm Englandy,
0: which is why I really like them. Yep. So I think they go perfect with our aesthetic. Yeah, I love it. It it looks so good, guys. And so what you can find on this website is basically, you know, about our podcast, Mm -hmm. about me and Katie and each episode. So we have like a synopsis of each episode, um, you know, complete with pictures, the link to our anchor FM, um, which is where our podcast is initially distributed. And this whole big blurb that's different than the ones you read on Instagram mm-hmm. and in our caption on attached to our podcast in the apps. So it's um, it's a lot of info. It's very good. I mean, it, we worked very hard on it. And every week, you know, when an episode drops, that will drop as well.
1: Yeah, we'll have more pictures on the website itself that you won't see on our Instagram for these cases. And there's also a little spot on our website where not only can you access our socials, you can submit a case that you would like for us to talk about as well. There's like a Dropbox kind of submission thing
0: going on. It's so When I saw that we could do that, I was so excited. It's so
1: cool. Such a cool feature. And you can also listen to our episodes right on the website posts. Um, their
0: respective posts about the episode. Exactly. The audio will be right there. We made it super easy for you guys Mm -hmm. to access. Um, The cool thing about the submission is that I made it so the only thing that is required is the message. So you don't have to leave your name or your email, Mm -hmm. just the message. So if you want to remain anonymous, you are all set to do that. We still get the info. Mm -hmm. It goes right to our Google Drive. I'm so excited. I sent a test one in just to see if it worked. And I was like, oh my God. It made a whole sheet on our Google Drive. So cool. Such a cool feature. So yeah, it
1: truecrimene.com. It is out now.
0: <laughs> so definitely go check it out. Yeah. And for today, we got a tough one. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as appropriate with all of our episodes, a trigger warning is necessary. And I will never apologize for that. Mm-hmm. So today, our episode involves a mass shooting. hmm and that, of course, like with most aspects of true crime, can be very upsetting to some people, very triggering. So, if this is not the topic for you, no worries. No big deal. Yeah. We'll Mention see you next gun week. Gun
1: violence can be very upsetting for a lot of people, especially yeah. living in the United States. <laughs> it's a constant fear,
0: I feel like. Correct. So,
1: yeah, no worries. We will see you next week. Yeah. No problem.
0: That's fine. And without further ado, we will be covering the case of The, the lottery, lottery shootings. shootings. This case, as always, fucked up. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, though. It was not one I had ever heard of. It was one that you had put on our list. So I was excited to do some research about it. Because for some reason, some of the, you know, interests I have in true crime involve, like, I am interested in learning about mass shootings. I don't know why. You know, everyone has their thing with true crime. That's one of mine. I do enjoy, not enjoy, you know learning, I just want to know like what goes on in those people's fucking minds.
1: Yeah. And why, what possesses someone to do such a thing? And why is it so so common in
0: our country? That's another question Mm -hmm. I have, but as we often say, unfortunately, this isn't true crime. Why does my country like to shoot up schools and workplaces? Yeah. Why is our country fucked? (laughs) This is true crime. New England. Yes. so. (laughs) So we'll just talk about how New England is fucked. Yes. Sometimes. Um, so this is actually a mass shooting that takes place in Connecticut. However, it is not the um, infamous Sandy Hook shootings that also took place in Connecticut. That is on our list. I think we'll cover it eventually. It's probably one of my all time, like most interested case of true crime, but that one is very, very, very difficult. Yeah. That is a tough topic. It's so fucked. Brutal. So the one we're talking about today, um, Happens, I mean, in Connecticut, in a town actually called Newington, Connecticut, which is the Sandy Hook shooting was in Newton, Newtown, I believe. Yeah. So weird uh, coincidence there. But this is, you know, completely different. This actually happened in 1998. um, And the victims aren't children in this one, but, you know. It's still just, it's so awful. Mass shootings are just so, so awful. And it's all we hear about in America.
1: Yeah. And this is a different dynamic of the mass shooting because it takes place in someone's workplace. It's a workplace shooting. I mean, still devastating, of course. Absolutely. But,
0: yeah. Different aspect. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you have um, like a mass shooting, it's either somebody's, their school or their workplace. Yeah. And then the other, I would say the third unfortunate reason would be like a hate crime. like you know shooting up uh, a mosque or a Mm -hmm. temple which is unfortunately also pretty common in america what the fuck anyway enough of that so we're going to be covering the lottery shootings um and this is aptly named because it takes place at the connecticut state lottery headquarters Mm -hmm. um so march 6th 1998 that's about seven months before i was born just want to let everyone know um, not that it matters at all, but I see 98 and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> me, I was born then. And then everyone's like, who the fuck cares? Like Yo, so no. many people were born in 90. like who cares? Anyway, cause I'm a true nineties kid. Anyway, anyway, just kidding. So it's a normal Friday, March 6th, 1998, normal Friday. Like most classic workplaces, it's casual Friday. So when 34 year old Matthew Beck arrives to work at around 8am in a polo shirt in jeans and a zip-up sweatshirt, nobody thinks anything weird because it's Casual Friday. Everyone's mm-hmm. wearing jeans or, you know, casual. Mm-hmm. So he comes in, he sits down at his desk, and he doesn't say a word. Yeah, As his coworkers think it's going
1: to be a normal work day, yep. a normal Friday. Yep. Um, so some background: Matthew Beck had just gotten off of an almost five-month-long medical leave he had taken due to workplace stress and job-related stress. Um, He had been back at the workplace for just eight days. That's not long at all. Um, He worked at the Connecticut Lottery headquarters for almost eight years, Mm -hmm. and he felt like he had been essentially screwed over by his job. There was an incident where between July of 1996 and October of 1997, he had been doing accounting work, Mm -hmm. but he was moved from doing accounting work to testing computer software. Okay. So this was something that he felt not only was beyond his job description, it was also beyond his pay grade. Yeah. And what he was being paid to do because the computer testing software position was actually making $2 more an hour than his accounting job. So he felt that's slighted. He felt like he should be making that money if he's going to be doing that job, which mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah. So he tried to advocate for himself and he asked for back pay. Mm-hmm. So he was going back and forth with the state of Connecticut, and they decided in January of 1998 that he was entitled to back pay. Mm -hmm. So when he returned to work, he was still waiting on the verdict of how much back pay he would get, how much back pay he would get for what time, and he was just waiting on them to decide and to get his money. But he was very disgruntled and very upset
0: by this. Understandably. Understandably so. I would have been very upset too. Especially $2. That is significant. That's a lot. Especially in 1998, that's like $8 in today's money.
1: So during Matthew's absence, he felt as though he should have gotten that promotion. Yeah. But while he was gone, the position was filled and that really upset him because he had been there for longer. Yeah. Um, he'd been there for almost eight years. That's a long time. So he felt like the promotion should have gone to him. Oh, man. So he had been expressing to his supervisor and his coworkers that he should have gotten the promotion. He was waiting on back pay. He just felt very... Upset and very Mm -hmm. screwed over with his job. Yeah, and he expressed this to some of his co-workers
0: Yeah, he definitely did and that was widely known that he was unhappy not only because he vocalized it But because when he returned from his little um, like leave of absence Mm -hmm. for almost five months, he came back He was had a military style haircut. He was thinner He had a more severe just look to him and he was like gaunt and he just didn't he looked different Mm -hmm. He acted different. He was quiet reserved and clearly very angry very angry and so you know march 6 1998 he's there um one of his co-workers notices you know he's not taking off his jacket it's like 8 15 and she's like why don't you just take off your jacket bud you know like goofing around and he's like he does not like that he's like no i'm not taking off my jacket and she's like okay weirdo and she walks away and then like a few minutes later, she notices him rummaging through a dark closet, like near an office, and she's like, Why don't you turn on a light? And he he was like, I'm looking for something, and then just went back to rummaging. No, he didn't turn on a light. He was very evasive of her questioning, like, What are you doing, buddy? Yeah, it was weird. He was just acting weird. And so this co-worker, her name was Eleanor Simonides. Simonides? She was talking to him and she had this whole interaction. She was like, okay, whatever. So she walked away. She was like, I don't care. I'm not dealing with this guy being a weirdo, rummaging through a dark closet. Um, And so she walked away. From there, she didn't realize that he was going to be walking into the office of Michael Logan, who was um, the former supervisor of Matthew Beck. Now, when Matthew gets into Michael Logan's office... It's not really known what happens between them, like the conversation, Uh, if there was one at all. All we know is that afterwards, Matthew Beck walked out and Michael Logan had several stab wounds, fatal, in his stomach and his chest.
1: This was a little after 8.30 in the morning because Matthew's supervisor, Angela Bentley, had noticed that Matthew was still sitting at his desk with his jacket on. So she went to get a cup of coffee, and as she was returning, she had heard gunshots yeah so when beck had left his desk and stabbed and then shot 33 year old michael logan michael had denied matthew his grievance regarding the back pay issue in the first hearing yeah so
0: matthew had a bit of a bone to pick with michael right
1: because once... he, he
0: viewed that he had wronged him yes because he didn't accept the grievance right 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 so, so that was grounds to be stabbed and shot sure Fairly So about. in his eyes But Matthew didn't stop there.
1: Matthew Beck then walked into a meeting where a 38-year-old Miss Linda Milnerchik, she was the chief financial officer of the company, and she was also the former New Britain mayor. Mm -hmm. She was discussing new software with several employees. Yep. When Matthew Beck walked in, faced Linda directly, revealed a semi-automatic handgun, and he looked at her and said, bye-bye, before shooting her three times. Yep. And Miss Milnerchik had met with Matthew the previous week to discuss his new responsibilities coming off of medical leave. Mm-hmm. So he felt like he had a bone to pick with her. Yeah.
0: She, they literally met, like, one time. Mm-hmm. They were barely even acquainted, and Matthew decided that she was one of the people that needed to die because they wronged him. And this woman clearly... As all of these victims did, nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong. They were doing their job. They were doing their job. And they made those decisions based on his job performance and other factors in the job. None of that ever, ever would warrant being shot, stabbed, or killed. I don't understand. And I feel so terrible because this was a meeting. There Mm -hmm. were other people in this meeting with this poor CFO who she was just shot in front of four people, slumped over dead. And there's this one woman, um, Miss, I don't know her first name, but, and I, I'm going to butcher her last name, Kalondick, Kalondick. Um, she was just a co-worker. She was in the meeting with um, the CFO. I can't pronounce her last name either. Milnerchik? Milnerchik. Linda Milnerchik? Linda Milnerchik. Um, so she was in this meeting with Linda, and they were literally sitting next to each other when Matthew comes in. And he reveals, like you said, that handgun. And he shoots her three times, like, in the face and chest. And, you know, Linda just slumps over. She's dead. And so, of course, the four other people who are in this meeting are screaming. And this woman, um, Miss Kalendick, she says she made eye contact with Matthew. And his eyes were completely dead. Yeah. Like, he had no feeling of what he was doing. Holy fuck. But what she also realized in this moment was that he had specific targets. Like, he looked at the other women in the room, didn't even pay attention to them. He clearly just wanted Linda. Jesus Christ. So he shot her three times and then went on his way. He wasn't done with his mission yet. Nope. nope.
1: He left the room and he came across the company's vice president, Mr. Rick Rubelman. And Mr. Rubelman was trying to help other employees get to safety. Yep. He's yelling, you know, everybody come on this way. He's trying to help his employees. He doesn't know the shooting is targeted. He doesn't. Right. He just he doesn't know who it is. He right. thinks someone is shooting up the place. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get people to safety. Yeah. He's trying to
0: help his staff. Yeah. He's trying to help his employees. He hears a pop, pop, pop of the guns, and he runs into this administrative suite, and he says, "Is everyone okay?" And then Mrs. Kalendick, who was sitting right next to um, Linda when she was shot, goes, "No, Linda's been shot," and so. Rick Rubelman, he closes the door, and he, you know, he attempts to go, you know, find the source of the noise, make sure that everyone's safe, so, you know, he shut the door to try and protect them, you know? These women were already hiding behind the desk and, you know, cowering in fear, because, um, duh, they just witnessed their CFO get shot. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So they're freaking out. Rubelman has no idea what's going on. He just hears the gunshots. Nobody at this point knows that Michael Logan is dead in his office, Mm -hmm. um... So they go, and this is when Rick Rubelman is unfortunately confronted by Matthew Beck. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, Matthew Beck shoots his third target, Rick Rubelman. I want to say it's like literally when Rubelman is guiding people to safety. He's telling people like, hide here, you know, go here, like, you know, Fenfrey like, go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And that's when, of course, like you said, Matthew Beck finds him and shoots him dead, right there. Yep, so now chaos it's pure
1: chaos. Chaos is ensuing, everybody's running, screaming, crying, freaking out, because obviously- what, what the hell? Hello, so people are running out of the offices, a security guard is yelling for people, run to the woods, run to the woods.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lottery accountant named Marion Terciak said that 54-year-old Otho Brown the president of the company Mm -hmm. was also helping staff out of the door and he actually pushed her out he shoves her out and goes run Run. just run and she grabs him and they're running together Mm -hmm. and they look back over their shoulder and Matthew Beck is sprinting towards them
0: and now Matthew Beck was in great shape Mm -hmm. because he ran cross-country yeah he was a fit young man and besides his mental illness he was relatively healthy Mm-hmm. So, and what's scary is that there's over a hundred employees at this office on this day, and they're like, "What the fuck they hear ground shots? It's crazy." Security guards, officials, they're running and telling people, run to the woods. The Connecticut Lottery building is surrounded by woods. So it has a parking lot, an overflow parking lot, and then like woods. So people at this point are running to their cars, like hiding behind their cars, running into the, the woods, which is like shrubs and bushes, hiding and essentially watching and waiting, mm-hmm. fearing for their life. When, like you said, here comes Matthew Beck chasing the president of the lottery.
1: So this man, I truly think that he's a hero. Me too. He, instead of running to the woods with the rest of his staff, he attempts to steer Matthew away, and he starts running in the opposite direction of the woods toward a parking lot of a high school nearby to try to draw Matthew away from everybody else. It's so
0: obvious here that Offo Brown realized he was one of the targets. Mm -hmm. So he, he is absolutely a hero.
1: He's trying to save you know the rest of his staff he does he's trying to draw the shooter away right holy fuck i can't even imagine so matthew is hauling ass mm-hmm. after him sprinting mm-hmm. clearly chasing him targeting him
0: mm-hmm.
1: so otho brown is running and he ends up falling and he's begging for his life as matthew starts coming closer and everybody in the woods are watching and some are screaming, mm-hmm. Matthew, no, Matthew, stop, leave him alone, stop, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And Mr. Brown, the president, is begging for his life. And Matthew stands over him and says, Ah, shut up.
0: Yeah. And then shoots him. Yeah. So that's when Matthew shoots him twice. Mm-hmm. And it's the people watching are traumatized already and now they're freaking out because they just witnessed their co-worker shoot the president of their company and you know he had fallen backwards it was like a classic movie scene mm-hmm. he throws his hands up he's begging for his life Matthew shoots him twice it's then when people that are watching they're hiding in the woods realize um he's not dead he literally goes like so he shot him twice and now Otho Brown is like he goes and he puts his hands up again and he says, like, please, he's begging, you know, he, he's not saying words at this point because he's shot, but he, he throws his hands up, like, in a way to be like, please don't. So Matthew, he takes a step, he turns away, and then he turns around and shoots him a third time. Like a complete fucking asshole. Like, there's no excuse. There is no excuse for what he did. Going and pretending like he was walking away and then just just turn around and shoot him again. That it's is... Psychopath. Psychopath. You're not right. Absolutely sadistic as fuck.
1: Wow. And for everybody to be watching this, I mean, Arthur Brown was, was he the president? Sure. But he was also loved by his staff and his coworkers.
0: He was a great man. He wasn't
1: just a, oh, you know, management, management sucks. He was very loved by his coworkers and everybody adored him. Yeah. And he genuinely cared for his staff. And that's very rare in a corporate company like this. Right, right. And so, everybody adored him. Yeah. And so, to have to be hiding in the woods and watch this scene unfold must have been
0: so fucking traumatic. So, I can't can't even even imagine. imagine. Mm -mm. Really. Like, that is the (sighs) most sadistic. He knew every second what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he targeted those specific people. Holy fuck. This was was premeditated. This Mm -hmm. was... There was no... There's no excuse. Not a single... There's... He... Was a fucking monster. Premeditated 1000%. Oh, 100%. And you know what else? He's also a fucking pussy. Mm -hmm. Because this is when the police show up. Yes. He hears the sirens and the police are getting out of their car. You know, uh, Matthew is still standing over Arthur Brown's body that he just shot and killed, his fourth victim. When the police get out of their cars, they're approaching him, telling him, put your gun down. When Matthew, like a fucking pussy, raises his gun to his temple and shoots himself in the head. Now, this motherfucker, I hope he suffered because he didn't die right away. No. He died on the way to the hospital, Mm -hmm. which for a few glorious minutes, I hope that bitch was suffering. I hope he felt every little nerve in his body as it you know, was suffering in pain. I hope he felt it.
1: Yeah. And he had to be airlifted. He was airlifted to Hartford Hospital, but by the time he arrived, he was pronounced dead. He was dead. Thank God. And this time, so when Matthew got up from his desk at around 8.30 in the morning, by the time police were, by the time someone was able to call the police, safely get to a phone and call the police, they were called at 8.46 in the morning. (sighs) And so they arrived very shortly after. Yeah. So this was less than a half hour. It all
0: happened so fast. Like the blink of an eye. So fast. He had he had his targets. He mm-hmm. knew where he wanted to go, yep. who he wanted to kill. Now, I'm sure he didn't anticipate that Otho Brown would run into a par- adjoining parking lot. Um, but clearly he was healthy enough and eager enough to go and chase him down. Like a psychopath. <sighs>
1: So all of Beck's victims, as we've discussed, were his superiors who were involved with the union grievance he had filed last year involving his back pay issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and employees even said that Mr. Brown was a hero for his actions. Yeah. And that even though it was clear that Matthew was targeting those specific employees, mm-hmm. there was question as to whether he might have snapped and shot other employees if he... Oh, you know, in the woods if he saw them or if he wasn't able to get to the president if right. he had taken his anger out on somebody oh else. God. So this guy's a hero.
0: Yeah, no, he, he's very much a hero. Mm-hmm. He was so brave and real, I can't even imagine. It was a split-second decision for him to realize, okay, he's clearly targeting me. He's after me. And then running the opposite direction. I'm sure we'd all love to say, I know I would do that too. No, that is that is so, so brave. No way. In fight or flight, oh, you might forget it. Run like hell, protect yep. yourself, hide. Yep. Oh my This God. Selfless, very selfless, wonderful man. As were all of these victims, they were wonderful people, hardworking people. So it's a really good point. You know, I didn't even think of the fact that, you know, once he got all his victims, then what? Was he going to kill himself or was he going to turn the gun on his other co-workers? Yeah, what if the police didn't get there when they did? could have could have kept yeah. going mm-hmm. and again it all happened so, so fast. fast now I have a little bit of background on Matthew Beck if you wanna yeah. and actually a little bit about each of the victims as well so we can go over a little bit of that yeah um, I don't really like to bring light to the shooter but I figured you know some of the details are kind of important Matthew Beck was actually an educated man he had a bachelor's degree from a Florida University. Um, he had previous, you know, job experience and he, I mean, he was with the company for eight years. That's mm-hmm. not nothing. Like he was, he knew his place, you know, yeah. he also like really, really, really loved guns, which is, you know, whenever I know you hear of someone who has a hobby of guns, you know, and that gun collecting, oh, that's a huge They're flag. safe. They're safe. Yep. Lovely, safe people <laughs> with no bad intentions. Um, and it's actually funny because on the door of his house, he lived at his house with his his dad there was literally a sign that said warning trespassers will be shot survivors will be shot again holy fuck yep yeah so mm -hmm, yeah he uh he had a love of guns and he loved to play paintball and he had a collection of his guns he had three assault rifles and two large caliber handguns which he owned legally he had he had permits for these guns yep Mm -hmm, yep i know um the year leading up to the crime, Beck had tried to kill himself. Mm-hmm. His dad ended up saving him, um, found him, rushed into the hospital. I think he got, like, his stomach pumped. and.
1: Yeah, he attempted to overdose. Yeah,
0: and he was, I mean, obviously he was, He survived. Um, his poor dad afterwards, after these shootings happened, said he almost wonders if he should he should just let his son die. Of course, there's no way of knowing back then. You, all you want to do is save your son, but now he's like, I wish I hadn't. His parents were heartbroken after yeah. this. They... I think his dad said, what he did was monstrous, Mm -hmm. but my son was not a monster. Yeah, he had, his father, after this had happened, he
1: read a written statement apologizing to the victim's families. Um, And as he was reading this, he was holding back tears. And he said, um, he stated his murderous act was monstrous, but he was not a monster. And that he had no sign, his parents... Didn't know, of course, what he was going to do, and he left right. work. He left for work that morning, yeah. like it was a normal day. He had no sign or no glimmer that anything would happen that day. It Not just seemed like, like a that. normal day. They right. had no idea. They, if they
0: had suspected anything, they would have intervened. Right. It never appeared that he was going to hurt anyone else. No. He clearly had already intended or attempted to hurt himself, but there was never any indication he was going to hurt someone else. Even mm-hmm. with his obsessive love of guns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so fucking sad. And, you know, um, he took that leave of absence for like five months and during that time he started seeing a psychiatrist and he told the psychiatrist, you know, he was depressed and suicidal and he had friends call police to his house before because they were worried about him and that's all very valid, you know, but in the end he was more homicidal than anything, which Mm is awful because in his own depression, in his own fucked-up mind, he took other people down with him, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yeah, and for me, it's not just with this case. It seems
1: to be all of the cases with mass shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always the thing of, oh, they were depressed, they were mentally ill, they were this, give me a fucking break with that. Yeah. Because how many people do I know that are depressed
0: in some way? Mm-hmm they are not shooting up places. Yeah, you're looking at one right now. Thank you. I've been depressed since I was 12 years old. Yep. Hi, I'm a successful, you know, I have my own apartment. I have my own cat children. I'm literally like in my dream job. Am I shooting up people? No. If it really was mental illness that was a catalyst
1: for shooting up places, we'd both be on a watch list. Yeah, absolutely. We would would both be on a watch list. Us
0: in like 92% of the youth right now.
1: And my issue with this is that we look at... The perpetrators of these mass shootings, and they're all entitled white men. <laughs> yep. Matthew Beck, was he entitled to his back pay? Yes. Sure, yeah. Is this the way to go? Absolutely not. This is the last way anyone should go. Shouldn't even be a thought. If mental illness was really the driving factor in shootings, we would see these perpetrators be people of color. Yep. They would have disabilities. They would be right. part of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. They'd be women. They'd be youth. They would Absolutely. be- There would be something from everywhere. Yes, there'd be marginalized communities who actually face oppression and who are actually mentally ill and are bullied. And this is fucking ridiculous. The argument that, oh, boo-hoo, the shooter was mentally ill and no friend. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that is not. That does not drive someone to shoot up a place. And... Part of the reason that we keep having these issues, I feel like, is that we wipe it under the rug and sweep it under the rug and
0: excuse the actions of these shooters is boo-hoo, they were mentally ill. Right. Which that's not an excuse. That's no. not that's not the reason. No. It's really not. No. It's entitlement. Absolutely. But that's for another day. That's yeah. <laughs> that's our, our other podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> White entitled men with guns. Yeah, with guns. Very scary. By Katie King. (laughs) And you know what? It's a podcast that has at least 6,000 episodes Mm -hmm. because every white man, not every white man, like I'm not going to say my dad or my grandfather are entitled because they're not. Like they're great people. Every perpetrator of a mass shooting is, is a, white a white dude, man. mostly. No, like I What's know. What's up with that? <laughs> because... Let's ugh. study that. Let's, yes. Let's see why. Anywho. Anyways. <laughs> Anywho, um, sorry to go off on a tangent. No, please. Anywho. You know I love it. It's great. Um, I have a little bit about each of the victims. Yes, Just please. Just a little something to, you yes, know. please. Because they were great people. Great they were very people. hardworking. Yes. So let's start with Michael Logan, mm-hmm. the first victim who was stabbed. And I think... There's some speculation if he was shot or not. Like it's like they don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but some sources say he was, some yeah. say he was just stabbed. Yeah, it's yeah. confusing. But at the very he did I mean he passed away. He was mm-hmm. murdered. Um Michael Logan, he was from Colchester, I probably pronounced that wrong, Connecticut. He was married to a woman named Margaret and they had two young children, Bridget and Patrick. Bridget was 5 and Patrick was only 2 years old when Michael was killed. Wow. I know. He was raised in Massachusetts. He was a Boy Scout. He, was an, he ended up being an Eagle Scout, which is like the highest mm-hmm. level of That's, Boy Scouts. Yeah. yeah. He had an undergraduate degree from Northwestern in Boston, and he had a master's degree in business administration from the University of New Haven. So he was very smart. And he had actually only been working at the lottery for about two years when he was killed. He was also the youngest victim. I think he was only 33. 33, yeah. So young. And I saw a picture of him. Oh, my God. He was so... He looked like the dad. He looked just like a young, hip dad. He looked so sweet. Yeah. He was a very handsome young guy. Linda Milnarchik uh-huh. was actually the first female mayor of New Britain, Connecticut. She served one term. And when she went up for re-election, she lost, which, you know, she took that and she went and became a CFO of the Connecticut State Lottery, which is awesome. Um, she was actually the first Republican mayor in the town for the first time in 22 years, which is very, very interesting. You yeah. know, that she changed party sides of the whole town. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then actually, interestingly, a month into her term, she was in a small plane crash with her husband and they both survived. And when, you know, officers showed up to go see like, what happened? She was laughing, taking pictures. Like she was in such, she was like, I'm good. Oh my God, I can't believe we survived. Like she, wow. she had a good humor about her. So she had actually was just recently um, married her husband. I believe his name was Peter um, when she became the mayor. So she was a newlywed and then now she was working at the Connecticut State Lottery. Frederick Rubelman III was the third man who was murdered. Um, He was married to a woman named Mary and they had two children, Eric, who was 10 and Sarah, who was 11. He was very proud of his children as they all were. He was a baseball coach for his son, Eric, um, their team. He was an avid churchgoer. He loved to go to church. And interestingly enough, he even brewed his own homemade beer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he was a very interesting young man. And his wife actually was recently diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the time of his death, which is awful. Um, And so actually, Rubelman was in the process of moving his family to like a one level home so it was easier for his wife to get around because they currently lived in like a two-story. I know. I know. He was described as being well-respected, super unselfish, and super helpful. Wow. Yeah. Arthur Brown, he had moved to Connecticut um, about five years prior. He was a proud, proud dad to his son Alexander and his twin daughters Elizabeth and Marion. His son was nine and his daughters were eight and he was married to his wife Denise Um, he was described as one of the gentlest men you'd ever meet, and he was a doting father. He actually had a huge goal um, for bringing more money into the state treasury. That was, like, his one thing. He really wanted to, you know, give back to Connecticut and make it more financially stable. He was a good good guy, and the fact that he led, basically, Matthew away from the rest of the employees was so brave. He's a hero. He is absolutely a hero, so... All these people left behind husbands and wives Mm, and and children young young children It's heartbreaking and in the blink of an eye this selfish Stupid I can't I don't even have proper words for him this Mm -hmm. Selfish young man decided to take the lives of four people who did not deserve that even in the slightest Um, In response to this horrible tragedy, in 1999,
1: Connecticut became the first ever state to adopt a red flag law. Nice. So this grants law enforcement the legal authority to remove firearms temporarily from someone where there is a probable cause to believe that they are a risk of harm to themselves or Mm. to others. So important. This law, since it has been enacted in Connecticut, has prevented suicides, murders, the works. That's amazing. But it, this law actually has prevented a lot of suicides because it yeah. grants law enforcement to remove firearms away from someone who's a harm to themselves or a harm to others. So important. So this law has saved lives. To this day, Connecticut is only one of five states to have this law in effect.
0: <gasps> mm hmm. That clearly needs to be nationwide.
1: Our gun law legislation needs to change. 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. Yeah. How
0: many more acts like this have to happen before we get change? So many. Because there's what? There's like 300 in a year or something crazy like Mm -hmm. that in just America, in schools and workplaces. Yep. Clearly something needs to be done.
1: So in 2018, it was a 20-year anniversary of this tragedy, and the Connecticut governor at the time had said... We mourn still for the workers who lost their lives on that terrible day by a horrible act of gun violence. Twenty years later, as we look back on the actions that occurred on this tragic day, we must recognize that our nation has not done enough to proactively work to stop the threat of situations such as the one we witness here. Well said.
0: That's So sad.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the case of the lottery shooting. We... Did not do our sources. I realized that. <laughs> I did
1: realize that. So would you like to give your sources? Sure. Let's wrap up with our sources. Murderpedia. Always. has a lot of information on this guy. It sure did, yeah. The New York Times. Mm-hmm. The Hartford Courant, Me which too. seems to be involved with every Connecticut case we do. <laughs> but they do a great job, always. They do a always. great job, yeah. And then the New Haven Registrar, which we've used before oh. for um, our different Connecticut cases. Yeah, but yeah, nice. they did a really good job covering this.
0: Right. I also actually got... Um, from Pulitzer.org, there was a list of articles written uh, about this tragedy, and they wow. were fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. I also had all the sources you did, Sweet. as long as well as the Washington Post. Awesome. So, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely so hard to read about, because you think, like, put yourself in that position. It's so easy to put yourself in that position, because these shootings happen literally everywhere. You cannot leave your house. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to
1: school. You can't go to the movie theater. You can't go anywhere without feeling like you're going to be shot. Yep. That's ridiculous.
0: Oh yeah. I'm, I know, I don't know if everyone does this, but when I go to a public place, I kind of like scope out where the exits are. First day of school every year for all of my years
1: of education, I would sit in the back of the classroom and that first day I would never pay attention because I would be Looking at yep. my exits, places to hide, can yep. I use a desk to...
0: V- it's crazy. It's, that's not something that people should be thinking about. No. Especially when you're in school, and or you're grocery shopping, or you're dropping off mail. Yeah. Like,
1: come on. A concert, a movie, th- you can't do anything. Nope. And it really upsets me because the people in charge that are supposed to be making these laws to have our benefit, mm-hmm. this is not a problem that they've had to face. <laughs> Yeah. School shootings. They've never had to sit in a school. They were doing, you oh, know, know, the World War II bomb threat drills. Right, right. Or whatever. Maybe like a tornado drill. The Cold War. To, yes. Yeah, yeah. They've never had to do an active shooter drill or a lockdown. They've never had Those to do Those are fucking that. scary. Traumatizing. Horrifying. And they've actually, in a lot of schools, have stopped doing them because they realize the likelihood of these shootings being carried out by a student, if we do these lockdown drills, it's giving a potential shooter a way to bypass. I didn't even think of that. That's Mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. So the people in charge have no idea what this is like. The fact that little kids have to grow up like, what if we all barricade the door with our desks? And there are little kids like, don't worry, class, I'll I'll be the human shield for you, and they're, like, six years old. Like, it's awful. The fact that this country has this problem, and we're really the only country that has this issue,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's disturbing. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. And this is not going to
0: be the last shooting that we talk about because no. they happen so frequently. Yeah. doesn't matter where you are in America. They happen mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. It's terrifying. And, I mean, as we're having this converse- conversation, I think back to, you know, us growing up in, like, you know, in middle school and... Uh, you know, high school, the times that we had lockdowns, mm-hmm. we've been in a few lockdowns together yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. And I actually remembered one, I don't know if you'll remember this, but our freshman year, it was like the very end of the school year and somebody on an iPad found, oh do you know God. what I'm about to tell yes. you? Yes. Found like a something in the calendar that somebody had written. It was obviously a very, very dumb, not well thought out prank that someone had wrote like bomb the school yeah bring a bomb to school yeah so it actually sent the whole school into the next day school became optional do you remember that oh i oh i remember because my mom made me go i went to school too and it was it was so quiet it was like apocalyptic and nobody moment. was there only the few of us who like i went i don't want to say my parents made me but they were like come on let me oh my go. mom made me yeah okay that's awful i was forced but I, I, we went. Class, the, all the classes that day were a joke. You didn't learn anything. It was no. like watching a movie. It was me and like five other kids yep. in the English class. We I, talked about what our favorite animal was. Yep. Oh, 100%. And I remember... I'm about to name drop. I remember, because I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I was in the study hall. Mm-hmm. And it was like fourth period. It was before lunch. And I had to get something from a teacher. Oh, fuck. And I remember... I'm, I won't say his last name, but Robbie. Um, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was in... Study hall, he was, it's crazy. It's funny because he was very popular and I was not, but we were like friends. We were friendly. He was good. He's a good guy. Um, But anyway, so we were, you know, in study hall and I realized, oh fuck, I forgot my project in Mrs. (laughs) So-and-so's class. And then the study hall teacher was like, well, you can go get it. And I was like, the look on my face, like a deer in headlights. I was like, I'm going to die. And so literally Robbie was like, Liz, be safe out there. I love you. And it was like everyone in the study hall was like, You got this. You know, like you're okay. Like and it's not, it's funny looking back yeah. because we were safe. Nothing happened. But yeah. the
1: fact that that was a probability that why was school optional? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know what my mom said to me? Oh my she God. looked at me. She goes, Okay, good luck at school today. <laughs> I was like, Good thanks. luck. Thanks. She goes, Make sure you wear your sneakers in case you have to run. I was like, oh what the f-? I was like, why am I on this bus right I'm now? I'm 14 years yeah. old. And then she watched and made sure I got on the bus. I'm like, do you want me to die? Like, do you want me to get blown that up? Is in the school. Oh, yeah. But the fact yeah. that that was even, first of all, a threat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to a credible threat. Absolutely. Like a prank or not.
0: It was oh real. Oh, my
1: God. That was so scary because the way that our school had these iPads, it was yes. like a cart. And so these carts would be pushed around from classroom to classroom, the yep. teachers would sign them out, yep. so you didn't know who, when this was from,
0: what grade, what grade, what, what? student. They could have been graduated by then. It, it could we have been yeah. Well. yeah, it could have been anything. And that's not the first or last time that we had a lockdown in high school. No, or a credible threat. No, not even the first. No, I remember when we were in middle school or when we were in high school, there was a threat at the middle school of a shooter. Yeah, because a sixth grader brought a gun to school. Yeah. Mhm. Like, come on, that's not. It's so, it just, it happens in America. Like, what the fuck is wrong with our country? And then we look at why
1: did this sixth grader have access to a gun? (laughs) How did they get their hands on a gun Uh, and bring it to school? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't...
0: don't No, I don't get... Yeah. I just had that recovered memory, though, of, like that was a huge deal that day because I want to say like our school had probably like our class alone was 400 people. Yes. So there was probably about like 1600 kids in that school Easily. plus staff. And there was probably like 200 kids there that day. If that. Yeah. And we were two of them. Yep. <laughs> I, I, it was crazy. And it was, it, it was scary. And walking down the halls, like I remember like when the, the period bells rang, you would run to your next class because you were like, <laughs> Like, we thought, okay, it was a bomb threat, but what did we think we were going to get shot at in the hallway? Like, it was just terrifying. Someone ran by, and this scared me so bad because I was like, does
1: this kid know something I don't? (gasps) Yeah. They were booking it down the hall, sprinting, flying down the hall. They whizzed by me, Mm -hmm. and they had their backpack (gasps) over their head. Oh, God. I was like... I'm done. I'm done. I'm exposed. Uh, literally. I'm like, I'm a sitting duck. I just like went running. I uh, went to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my God, no, the bathroom's not where you want to be in the in the movies with all the shooters. Like, right. They come in, in, they kick in their house. stalls. Yeah. I'm running down a stairwell you usually aren't allowed to go uh, to, nope. but there's no staff to enforce it because everybody's hiding. Yeah like, it's, it really was scary as fuck. Yep, and, and it's crazy we can laugh about it now because like we're safe and nothing happened. Yeah. And it was a prank, but what? They, I don't Holy think they ever shit. figured
0: out. No, they didn't. No, because there's no way. That was back in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yep. That was awful. Yeah. Anyway, Jesus Christ. Yep. Anyway, this country needs much better gun laws and
1: legislation, and among other things. Yeah, among other things, but yeah.
0: You can find us on social media <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, True Crime NE, all lowercase. And you can email us at truecrimene at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on our website at truecrime.com. You can definitely check us out there. Fill mm-hmm. out a submission form. Yeah. Tell us your story, please.
1: We love to hear them. Even if you don't want us to share them, you just want us to read them and please, you know, acknowledge. Hell please. yeah.
0: Send them, them our Send way. them. We love it. Yeah. We love DMs. I love all the DMs we mm-hmm. get. It's in the comments. Like, it's so funny. And thank you again, guys, for listening and leaving nice reviews mm-hmm. and stars. It's been so humbling and the best experience. Yeah. I love every second of it. For so. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We and will see you
1: next week. We'll
0: see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.